property, we're continuing continuing to talk about leases, and this episode is going to be focused on ending, ending the tenancy. Uh, there's a whole lot to go on here, and so uh, just bear with me. Uh, this will take just a minute, and uh, there we go. So we're going to start with several ways to end the tenancy. The first way is going to be through abandonment. Uh, a tenant can, if a tenant abandons the lease, uh, when, and so how does abandonment work? Uh, abandonment happens when the tenant well, leaves the lease without any cause at all. Uh, if they did have cause, that would be a constructive eviction, not abandonment. Uh, so, okay, there are several elements. I'm sorry, I'm going off my notes, and this is a little not fresh for me. Uh, the elements vacating the lease without any cause, you plan on never returning, and you stop paying rent. In those situations, the landlord has three different ways to recover. Uh, first, the landlord can wait until the lease ends and then sue for all the rent. Uh, second, the landlord can terminate the lease. Or third, the landlord can rent out the property again and then sue for the balance of rent that was not covered during the original lease term. And this is called mitigating the damages. So our big takeaway from our cases, though, is that this is going to be limited. Uh, there, These remedies are going to... not be as available to the landlord. So the big takeaway from Somer versus Cradle is that the landlord is no longer able to sue for all the rent. Instead, the only remedies that are going to be available is to either terminate the lease, which, I mean, they're already gone, so the lease is gone, not a big remedy, or to mitigate the damages and then sue for the remaining balance. So, what's the reason? Uh, how do you mitigate damages? Well, the court says the standard is that you need to use reasonable efforts to mitigate. Uh, we've talked about this in, on contracts. We I haven't talked about this on the podcast yet, but you need to try and exercise reasonable efforts to mitigate. What's those reasonable efforts look like? Well, what's the usual practice for advertising a vacant uh, apartment if you? deliberately make it harder for someone to access that apartment and they want that apartment, well, then you're not mitigating the damages. You don't need to put it foremost, but you just need to go through standard practices of making the apartment available again. And then if that's the case, you just subtract from however long it takes. Our next section related to ending the tenancy is uh, a little bit of information about the security deposit. This is just nothing much for us to focus on. But at the beginning of the lease, the landlord can collect a security deposit, and that can be used to repair, clean, uh, and cover any defaulted rent. Uh, and any time that it takes for the landlord to find a suitable replacement to the property is abandoned or evicted. Uh, several jurisdictions have passed regulations related to the security deposit and just saying that the deposit needs to be used for specific purposes, uh, not just for ordinary wear and tear, and it can't be withheld due to bad faith. In most jurisdictions, too, the landlord has to show good faith 
for withholding a security deposit. And when they do withhold it, they need to provide an itemized list that shows how the deposit was used, and they need to give that list within a reasonable time. Okay, that was kind of in the middle, but we talked about abandonment to end a tendency. Now we're going to talk about eviction, because uh, eviction, uh, we've talked about constructive eviction based off of the conditions of the pre- premises, but now we're focusing on conviction, just the procedure for how to do uh, conviction. So under the common law, a landlord com- could inv- evict anyone for any reason. Uh, this has changed significantly over time, where states restrict the landlord's ability to evict. Uh, for example, states restrict uh, landlords from evicting for retaliation uh, against the def- tenant's actions. Uh, this includes retaliations against the defendant. Uh, sorry, the tenant making complaints, um, becoming a part of a union, uh, testifying against the landlord in court, or if they previously won a la- lawsuit against the landlord. You can't retaliate for those reasons. The statutes typically only protect those reasons, though, those actions that are taken by the tenant. And after the action occurs, the landlord is not allowed to either increase rent, because that would be retaliation, or decrease services, like not taking care of repairs, things like that. They're not allowed to terminate the tenancy or threaten any action for repossession. So this is kind of like a burden-shifting approach as well. Uh, First, the the tenant needs to show that they did something that invoked a retaliatory effect. And then after that, the tenant needs to show that the activity was a substantial factor in the retaliation, uh, especially for eviction. If a landlord wishes to engage in one of those activities, such as increasing rent or terminating the tenancy, they need to have a good reason for it. And if the tenant uh, recently engaged in a protected activity, the landlord is going to have to wait uh, so that there's no accusation that the landlord's activity occurred specifically because the tenant's activity that is protected by statute. Our second case was Berg versus Wiley. Uh, of how to actually evict. Uh, There are two ways. Uh, You can use self-help or judicial enforcement. Uh, Self-help is that the landlord maintains a right uh, to re-enter the property, and this is only available if the landlord is first entitled to possession and second, re-entry is peaceable. As far as the judicial enforcement goes, uh, contested evictions can last about three to six months, whereas uncontested evictions can occur within three to ten days. Uh, so it is a significant amount of time. Uh, the big takeaway from Berg versus Wiley, though, is that most states don't allow the self-eviction, uh, the self-help standard for eviction to actually occur. So let's go ahead and summarize what we talked about. Uh, this will probably be a better summary than how I started. So there are two main ways to end the tenancy. You have abandonment and you have eviction. As far as abandonment goes, the person abandons the lease if they vacate without a cause, plan on never returning, and stop paying rent. 
the ways the landlord can recover is through uh, waiting until the lease ends and then sue for all the rent. That is no longer really an option at all anymore. Uh, the landlord can terminate the lease, or third, the landlord can rent out the property again and then sue for the balance um, by mitigating the damages, and they need to be using reasonable efforts to mitigate the damages. As far as the eviction goes, we talked about the landlord not being able to convict for any reason. Uh, if the tenant does certain protected actions, the landlord can't retaliate, and if the landlord retaliates, the tenant needs to prove that the retaliation was due to uh, the tenant's actions. And then there are two main ways to evict, either through self-help or judicial enforcement. And uh, self-help is not typically considered a protected uh, version. And then finally, we just talked about security deposits and how the statutes have, throughout several jurisdictions, have limited what the security deposit can be used for. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials. And the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, We are not liable, that is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.